pray that you, our hearts, our ears, our minds are open, Lord, for what you have for us today. Lord, as always, just help me to speak clearly. Give me words to speak. And, and Lord, just continue to bless us today. In your name we pray. Amen. So today we are, are continuing in Acts. We're going to be there for a while, as I said. And there is a debate that keeps ongoing, that is an ongoing debate of what church is supposed to look like, of, of what, what we do in church. What does this gathering look like in church? And people actually, I think they leave churches or they go to churches based on what church service looks like. And so it's, this is kind of an important thing. And I've, I've been to a wedding three of the last four weekends, and each of those ceremonies look differently. Like each one of them, they're, there's, they're not exactly the same. Yes, they still were married at the end, but they're not the same. And think of how many different churches there are in the world, how many different beliefs there are in this world. And even just think of, we, we classify churches as like Bible-believing churches, so think of how many different Bible-believing believing churches there are. Every one of them having their own little difference of, of what church should look like. Even within this church, this is a four-square church. If you didn't know that, this is a four-square church. The, even within that, church is done differently within those churches. So is there a proper way to do church? Is there a manual? Do, does it come with a manual for, for what we call, I'm going to call it church life. Is there a manual for that? Now, if you find a manual... Let me know, because Stan didn't leave that when he left me up here. Monique, I know you're in the head office. Maybe there's one laying around there somewhere. I don't know, but I'm still looking for that manual. So actually, though, I think we do have a manual. We have a manual right here. We have a manual right here. And today we're going to continue in Acts, like I said, in this manual, as we finish up Acts 2, at the end of this chapter, we see this description of what the early church life looked like. So if you want to turn to Acts 2, we're going to start in verse 42. We're just going to go to verse 47 this week. So it'll be on your screen if you want to read along with me. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, Tim's not here today, but you know Tim Hieronymus. I like to pick on him a lot. And part of that is because he's easy to pick on. And he's good, he's lighthearted, so, so he, it's, it, it goes okay, and he gives it back too. But today I'm going to actually compliment him. I'm going to give him a compliment. So Tim, I know it's hard to believe, but I am. I'm going to praise Tim today. So Tim, yeah, he's not here, so he can't even hear it today. It's unfortunate. You'll have to tell him. So Tim invites me over to his house all the time. Now, granted, I had to shame him a little bit to get to that point where he'd actually give me an invitation, but... He likes to cook meat on his Traeger, so he invites people over and has them over for, for meals. So this, this week, Monday, if you don't know, I'm going to embarrass Alex. Now it's her birthday on Monday. So if you want to wish her happy birthday, happy birthday. I'll let you ask her that, how old she is. But 
So last Monday was, was her birthday, and, and so Tim invites me over. And, well, I didn't show up. Once again, I didn't come. And apparently I'm not very good at practicing what we just read. What we just read about how they met together and had meals together at this early church. So I asked that you probably, I hope you're asking the question, well, why not? Well, why aren't you? And that's a really good question. Because I got lots of excuses that I can give you. Lots of excuses. Like, I'm just tired. I'm tired on Monday. Like, I'm coaching football. I'm helping Bennett coach football over at Riverside again this year. And if, I, I think it was like 100 and some degrees on Monday. So, like, I'm out there from, you know, two or three hours. Like, it's hot. I was tired. I was sweaty. I wanted to go home. Then also, you know, some of you know, I'm, I'm in school working on my master's side, school to do too. And then Kim told me earlier in the week that she was going to be gone. And so I was going, oh, great, I'll have a night to myself. I'll just have some solitude. But I need to share this quote with you before, I, before you think, oh, just this, wait. This will say how bad of a, a person I am, really, how, how I'm making myself by not showing up on, on Monday nights. Listen to this, look at this quote. It'll be on the screen, too, of John Wesley says, there's nothing more unchristian than a solitary Christian. Yeah, so I was feeling a little convicted by that when I ran across that this week because I was using solitude as an excuse to not go do something to, that was a gathering like that we just read about. So before you judge me, because I know some of you are, and that's fine, I'm, I'm okay with that, but what about all of you? Like you... You need to ask yourself this question, too. Is this description that I just read, that we all read about the early church, does that describe how you live also? Do these words in, in Acts describe your church life? Is that what your church life looks like also? And I think parts of it, and I'm not necessarily talking strictly of Hope Center here. I'm talking about the church in general. And I think this passage is a template that is, is despite my inability to show up at Tim's house when I'm asked, is, is a template that describes what church life should be. Now, there's another big discussion that is amongst people. You'll hear this talked about, and this is large church or small church. Which one is right? Should we have large church or small church? Now, I think I need to maybe define that. Large church, Think of this as large church. We talked about last week, 3,000 people were saved. 3,000 people came to know Jesus. That had to be a pretty large gathering. So I would consider that's, large, that's a large, large church. Or this small church that we, taught, that we just read about in this passage, that we're told that this church broke bread in their homes and they ate together. Now, I'm not sure what the size of your home is, but I, I don't think you have a home, or, or I don't even know of a home that could have 3,000 people in it. So I think that's in your home. So large church, how does that define? Is that 100 people? Is that 500 people? 5,000 people? 50,000 people? Small church, do we define that? Maybe 5 to 10 people or less than 100? So what defines large church and small church? Is, is there even a number that defines that? Or is it more about what the text tells us when we read this text? It's telling us that they were devoted to the apostles' teachings. We'll talk about that more about that later. To fellowship, to breaking bread, and to prayer. Something else about this, in this passage, does that mean that we're supposed to serve a meal every time at church? Now, I haven't even brought this up yet, but this text also tells us that we met, they met daily. We only meet once a week. So, is there... Is there an either or? Is there, an, is there a large church or a small church? Or maybe can there be both? 
And I'm going to say I think the answer is both. Verse 46 says that they met daily. Emphasis on daily. They met in the temple courts. That would imply a large gathering, a large church. And people were used to that in that day. They, were, they met in the temple courts. They met in this large group. This was, this was their practice. This was a daily practice. Verse 46 goes on to say they broke bread in their homes, which I would say that's a small church. And like I said, unless you've got this gigantic home to have thousands of people in, that's probably a small group of people. So yes, I think the answer is both. Church life should be, as I, as I read this text, is that there's this large church meeting like we have today. Like we come together as a group and we have, we, we just worship God and we pray and we celebrate God like this. And there's also this small church component that meets in people's homes, like what Tim has invited me to. What was shared in the church life was, it says it's, it's a glad and sincere heart and they were praising God. They were sharing life together, sharing this new life with Jesus that they have found. Now this week, I read this in a, in a book, and I, and I want to share it with you, because there's, there, I think we kind of, we, we, we lose track of, there's this argument that I've heard of, of small church and large church again. And so just listen to these words. It says, a common misconception about the first Christians who were Jews. These first Christians, if you remember, they were Jews. They were gathered there for Pentecost. Was that they rejected the Jewish religion. They didn't reject the Jewish religion. But the believers saw Jesus' message and resurrection as the fulfillment of everything they knew and believed from the Old Testament. At first, Jewish believers did not separate from the rest of the Jewish community. They still considered themselves Jews. They still went to the temple and synagogues for worship and instruction in the scriptures. But their belief in Jesus created great friction with the Jews who didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Thus, believing Jews were forced to meet in private homes for communion, prayer, and teaching about Christ. By the end of the first century, many of the Jewish believers were excommunicated from their synagogues. But this early church life, this early beginnings of the church, we see that there was this large meeting. They still went to the temple. They still went to the synagogues. And there was also this small gathering. There was both together. And it wasn't until the non-believing Jews kicked them out of their meetings that, that the home churches, so to speak, or house meetings become the only option. Now, I know in China and other na nations that the church is persecuted, and they meet in homes, or they meet underground, and that's really the only option they have. And actually, those churches are flourishing. At some point, maybe we'll talk about that. But that's not really the case in America, is it? Like, we have the freedom to meet together like this. We have the freedom to meet in our homes. We have the freedom to meet both. So I want us to maybe consider that this early church life was both. And perhaps there still is a place for both. Now, I want to focus kind of on this small church for a minute, just a, a little bit. Maybe we call them small groups. Maybe we call them life groups. They're, they go by a different names. And to do that, I want to look, and Luke is full of times when Jesus went to dinner, so to speak, at someone's house. Jesus had dinner at somebody's house. We're not going to look at all of them, but I think we can grasp some things of what church life should be out of just, I'm going to just look at three of them, three times when Jesus went to dinner at someone's house. The first one is out of Luke 5, 27 through 32. 
And this is all are welcome. And this story, you can read it later this week, but it says, it, this is Levi, the story of Levi, the tax collector, which Levi, who's also known as Matthew, Jesus goes to his home for a meal. He goes to his home with the, what is considered a bunch of sinners because the tax collector is probably going to know other tax collectors, and tax collectors are not people that people really like very much. They're not desirable people to hang out with. So the Pharisees are seeing this, and some other people, and they're looking, they're going, Jesus, what are you doing? Like, how can you be eating with them? And these are famous words a lot of you guys will remember that Jesus said. Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So I think this actually is for large and small church, but is everyone welcome? Is everybody welcome in your home? Is everybody welcome in the church? Especially sinners. I think it, they should be. Now the next one I want to look at is out of Luke 7, 36 through 50. It's, it's okay if someone doesn't behave perfectly. What, what do you mean by what do I mean by that? So this is the story of the woman that has a questionable background that comes in and kind of raids, comes into the house of Simon. And she, if you remember the story, she comes and she starts weeping at the feet of Jesus. And her tears go on the feet of Jesus. And she washes Jesus' feet with her tears. And then she dries his feet with her, his hair, with her hair. And then she puts perfume on the feet of Jesus. And Simon, who is the host of this party, like he's the one actually has bad manners. Because it never said that when Jesus came, he was never given any water or a towel or anything to wash his feet or a servant to wash his feet. He wasn't, didn't give Jesus a seat of honor to sit. He didn't greet Jesus with a, with a customary kiss. Almost maybe he was trying to set Jesus up. But everyone's all up in arms about this woman who is in this house and she's having bad manners and she's interrupting this dinner when in fact it was the host that actually had bad manners. So, as I said, is your home welcome to everyone? Even if they're not going to maybe behave like you think they should behave. Maybe they're going to not be just every little rule that you have. But the other thing is, is are you going to be the host that you should be? Now, the last one I want to look at, out of Luke 10, 38 through 42. This one, might, I think, is the most important. Is Jesus in the house? This is the story of Mary and Martha. If you know that story, story Martha's like getting ready for, to serve. She's getting ready to, for a meal. She's preparing all of this. She's distracted, and she's, she's just consumed by making sure everything is right, everything is perfect. And she's upset because Mary's not helping her. Because where's Mary? Mary's at the feet of Jesus. She's spending time with Jesus. She's not helping. So what's the priority? Is the priority the meal, or is the priority Jesus? Martha gets correct, and, she's in, and really gets told, Martha, priority is Jesus. And I think too often maybe we get caught up with the, do I have enough food? Is the house clean? Is the, the table set? Is all of this stuff, stuff done? Is everyone going to like the food? Or worrying about all this stuff when we really should be making, experiencing Jesus the priority. Now these are just three occasions, like I said, of Jesus having a meal with someone. 
that I, that I think we would see. These are, these are examples of a small church. There's a lot more examples of people having dinner in smaller settings and concepts we can pull from them, and perhaps sometime in the future we'll look at those. But to help us as a church body to, to maybe get started or kind of get into some small church concepts, Aiden's been working the last couple of weeks on, on kind of doing just this. So he's, he's, he, he has something that's actually, it's really easy to do. And he'll, he'll tell you more about it. But what you need to do is you need to, if you're not in a group or you want to have a group or you just want to start meeting together with people, go see Aiden after this or go to the Connect booth. Um, Teresa's sick, so a little bit of, we'll have to scramble a little bit on that. But just get Aiden your name and some contact information or just go talk to him after this service. I didn't tell him he's going to hopefully be overwhelmed by people, so it'll be good for him. So um, go see him. Talk to him. Let's start getting together in small groups. Let's not st- just let's stop being like me and I don't ever come to Tim's house, which, yeah, I'm feeling guilt. I need to come to Tim's house. I need to do that. But let's just start meeting together in these small groups. Now, these three examples of Jesus, meeting in these smaller groups, this atmosphere, everyone's welcome. It's okay if you're not perfect, that our focus is on Jesus. And I, I think, shouldn't they be part of this large group gathering also? I think they should. I think they should be part of big church also. Now, looking at these early churches, we talked about fellowship, fellowship of them meeting together, large and small settings. This church also says they were devoted to the apostles' teachings. So what are you devoted to? Because there's a lot of things to be devoted to, isn't there? Now, if you have your phones, I bet if, if I said, you know what, let me see your Facebook or let me see your Instagram, I could tell pretty much what you're devoted to. Because you know what? The ads of things that you look or search or to even talk about, they're going to be ads that pop up. Now, lately, I've been playing a lot of golf, so a lot of golf ads pop up on mine lately. But have you noticed that? That you'll be talking about something, and even something extremely odd. Like, just say, all of the differences kinds of peanut butter. Because I don't know if you know it. There's lots of different kinds of peanut butter. Like, if you go online and search peanut butter, you'll find all kinds of different flavors and different combinations and things like that. And so that's kind of a weird thing, right? Talk about peanut butter. Well, I bet your phone's listening to me right now if it's on. It heard what I had to say. And I'm not going to be surprised if some of you don't see ads for peanut butter pop up on your phone this week. (laughs) But I wonder what would happen in our social media if all we talked about was Jesus, if we were devoted to Jesus. I think you get my point. What are you devoted to? The apostles, now when they were, they were speaking and they were te- teaching, all they really had was the Old Testament and the oral, the oral stories that were passed on or even eyewitness accounts that they've watched. But we have the entire book. We have the entire account of the works of Jesus, of God's works. And we have the whole thing after Jesus' death of the writing of of. Peter and Paul and John and all these people. We have this whole entire book. We have a book full telling us of the signs and wonders of God, the signs and wonders of Jesus. In fact, Martin Luther said this. Look at this quote. It says, The Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. It lays hold on me. 
Is the Bible alive to you? Are you devoted to this book? Does it speak to you? Now, if not, start picking up, start reading it. And be devoted to God. Be devoted to Jesus. Have God's word begin to speak to you. And you're going to start seeing signs and wonders just even around in your own life. Because they're still happening. Now, something else we see in this early church is all the believers were together. And they had everything in common. They sold their stuff. They gave to those in need. There's a lot of stuff in this, and I'm not going to focus on every one. But this is something that I actually see within Hope Center. Uh, just meeting people's needs and giving to those in needs. I, I see that. So I would say, great job, Hope Center. Now, we're not perfect, but I do see a lot of work there because I see people stopping by during the week, if, especially if I say something from up here. People will, I just, they come and show up at the door and they're dropping things off. Or if I mention something and I follow up on it a couple weeks later, I hear, oh yeah, that was taken, someone, someone did this and someone did that. So we're, I see some needs being met. But what about having everything in common? This common of having Jesus in common. Having this mission of Jesus in common. Having this mission of loving God, loving your neighbor. Having fellowship, relationships, meeting needs. Again, I think we, we have some of that. But having everything in common as we have God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit in common. Everything in common also means that everything I have is not mine, but it's God's. What if we went through life with our arms just wide open like this, saying, God, everything I have, it's, it's, it's yours, instead of maybe just all clenched fists like this, saying, that's mine. You can't have that. That's mine. Giving where there's a need. Letting go of something to help someone else. Something I thought of this week when I was, was writing this or, or looking at this, I said, you know, like funerals, unfortunately, those are part of this job. Funerals are, are part of this job. Where I see husbands, I see wives, I see children, I see people that just have had tragic deaths. Or sometimes it's just, they just we just die of old age. But regardless, I, I see examples when I do these funerals or I talk to the family or I'm around the family of having this attitude of they just their arms are wide open, having everything in common. And I see the families letting go. And I see them not holding on with clenched fists, being angry, being mad. Why did this happen? But I see them saying, God, I trust you. God, I, I maybe I don't understand, but I trust you with my loved one. And now they're in your hands. And then I get to see all the church body come around the, the family and give as they have need. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's energy. Maybe it's meals. There's all kinds of things. But having everything in common. Now in this passage, I've jumped around a little bit. I haven't really followed just the whole text. And you'll, you'll see why in a few minutes. But next I want to look at the end of verse 46 and 47. It says, They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There's a couple of important things I want to point out in this. First, this, the way this early church interacted with people that didn't believe. Did you notice something in these, these, these two verses? It says in these verses that the community watching, those watching, those non-believers, had a favorable impression 
of these early Christians. That's not necessarily the case anymore, is it? And you've heard me say in the past up here, and I'll say it again, people are watching. They watch us how us Christians behave. Do those that aren't Christians find favor with you? If not, why? That's, I think that's a really good question to answer. Now the next point I want to say on this is the next thing is that these verses of those watching, that those people watching, those non-believers, it says they became Christians. The Lord added to their number daily. Are people around you coming to know Jesus? Same question, if not, why not? Pretty good question to answer, I think. And I bet the answers you're going to find are probably related to each other. So I'm going to say seek God's wisdom. Have him reveal what you need to maybe see about yourself. And what I'm thinking when I, when I say that is, remember the, the parable of the plank in your eye? Remember out of Matthew 7, verse 3 through 5? This is just verse 3. It says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Remember that, remember that parable? I think we need to examine ourselves. Examine ourselves of why, if those aren't happening in our lives, well, why not? Because the early church life, that's what happened. That's what it looked like. Do you have everything in common? Do we have this Bible? Are we devoted to Jesus? Devoted to the teachings found in this book? Now, I have some plants in my office. Um, we used to have two in the lobby, actually. We only have one now. Because half of, and I'm down to half of the plants I started with in my office because they died. Because they weren't healthy. So they died. Due to my care. Now, I really don't know what I'm doing. I just give them some water, and they still die. But the healthy ones are growing. In fact, Allie, most of you know Allie, she gave me a plant that uh, when she gave it to me, it was from her house, it was a big plant, it's about this tall. It had two leaves on it. Now it has like 11 or 12 leaves on it. So I'm doing something right with that one. <laughs> but it's healthy, and it's growing. The nature of a healthy organism is to grow. The nature of a healthy church life is growth. Listen to these words. Or look at it on your screen of, of what I ran across this week. I'd give the author credit, but I couldn't find the author of this. It says, when a church body emphasizes strong worship and solid biblical teaching in an atmosphere of true fellowship mixed with consistent evangelism, it will be healthy. And a healthy Christian community will attract people to Christ. Large church, small church, our day-to-day -day life, that this model of this early church, that people should be attracted. Our numbers should grow of them being saved. It should show that that's a healthy church life. Now, the last thing I want to talk about today is the breaking of bread together. Now, Arnie, I, I, did you get the meal ready for out after church? Did you get the memo? You must not have, so sorry, we're not going to feed you after this. But what we are going to do is we're going to have communion together. So I think everybody got one of these. If not, maybe Arnie or Kenny can, can grab some and, and give it to people that aren't. But community is something that we can do to demonstrate that we have Jesus in common. We can take communion together to, to remember what Jesus did for us. Remember his death on the cross. Remember his death 
that gave us forgiveness for our sins. We didn't deserve it, but that death and his victory over death gave us forgiveness for our sins. That as we can, that, that we find life, we find life from, from Jesus, from re- receiving this acceptance of our uh, uh, forgiveness for our sins. And that when we did that, that we, we also had faith and that we were part of what this early church life said, that at that time when we did that, when we received that, we were saved. And we were added to that number of those being saved. So I'm going to pray now, and then we're going to receive communion. But Lord, I just thank you for just this example of this church life. Lord, I just pray that, that we can just be devoted to the teachings that are found in the Bible, to be devoted to one another, be devoted to this fellowship, being devoted to just spending life together, a life that's been given to us by you, this new life, this new found life. Lord, that we, we, we start to meet together, that our lives start to look more like this early church. And people are attracted. People see this difference. That, that they don't see us as the enemy. They see us as friends. They see us as, 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 as just somebody that they, they, we have something that they want. And that's what we want. What they want is they want Jesus. They want to receive life too. So I pray that that just starts to become what our life looks like. And that people are added to our numbers daily. And today there might be somebody in this room that your number isn't, your, your name isn't added to that list yet. But you, 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 you're feeling that in your heart, you're feeling that in your spirit like it's time. I want to I wanna, I wanna see this number be added daily and I'm going to be that one. I'm going to raise my hand. I'm going to receive the forgiveness of, of sins for Je- from Jesus. I'm going to receive this new life. I'm going to be called what they call a Christian. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be devoted to Jesus, be devoted to God. So if that's you, if you want to just raise your hand, and look at me and I'll acknowledge you. And you're just saying yes to Jesus. I see you. I see you in the back. Lord, just thank you. Thank you for these. Lord, let these, these people receive this new life, Lord. Let them see the signs and wonders that you bring. Let this forgiveness of their sins seek in. Lord, let, give them the freedom that we read about in the psalm earlier, this freedom that comes from you. Let them, let them hide in your shelter, Lord, and not hide in the things that they've done in the past, Lord. Give them the freedom. Give them this life. Give them the joy that you promise. So let's receive communion together and, and by worshiping God as we devote ourselves to God, devote ourselves to the teaching we find in the Bible. We have everything in common. We're breaking bread. We're praising God. And we see people added to the number of those being saved. Amen.